but it's so key to understand, you know, what are you going to need and where are you now, which you know by valuation. And then if you've got that three or five year horizon, you can create a, a business plan to achieve that outcome. From Ray and Associates Studio, this is Unsuitable, a management and financial services podcast for entrepreneurs, tenured business leaders, and others who are ready to look beyond the suit and tie culture for meaningful, measurable results. I'm Doug Hauser. Are you ready to trade your business in for retirement bliss? Not so fast. There are a few critical pieces of the selling process to take into consideration if you want to sell for top dollar. Paul Gregory, a principal in Ray's Amherst office, and Andy Gelfond, Senior Vice President at Brummel Capital Corporation, are going to explain how to sell a business the right way with plenty of forethought, preparation, and expertise. Welcome, Paul and Andy. Hello. Thank you. Glad you could make it. How was the the trek from Cleveland? Pretty boring. Pretty boring? The usual? Yes, it's a lot of traffic. Traffic seems to be. That's good. So talk to us a little bit about preparing your business for sale. So, Paul, what, what do you see uh, in, in terms of primary pitfalls that people just don't think about and don't deal with? I think knowing how much you need, how much you want out of a business, um, knowing when the right time to start planning to sell a business, um, tax planning relating to selling a business, knowing... Who is going to help you sell that business probably is okay. one of the bigger factors. So, so Andy, is it, is it your experience, for example, that, that people don't prepare enough in advance for, for this process? In other words, they come to you already too late in the process in terms of their decision-making, say, hey, I know I, wanna, I want to transition. And what? they've already got that in their heads that this is going to happen in six to 12 months or kind of a thing. Well, I think it depends whether they're already talking with buyers or not. So if they come to us and say, you know, we want to begin discussing selling our company, there's plenty that we can help them with over a six to 12 month period or maybe a shorter period. Okay. But if they're already talking to a buyer, then that makes it more challenging to help them achieve the, the best outcome. Sure. And, and what about, say, an internal process where it's perhaps a sale to key management or, or family members or even an, an ESOP versus a, an external process? Is there a different length of, of time there that needs to take place? Well, th- that process can run much more efficiently because the insiders already know where all the skeletons are. They're much more accommodating to any potential issues with the company because they're already living with them okay. as opposed to outsiders where everything's raised to a level of, you know, this is a big deal. We need to get to the bottom of this. Okay. Now, now Paul, one of the things I know you mentioned to me is that not enough people continue to focus on running their business once they start this process. Is that what 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 have you seen in terms of that? Yeah, it, the due diligence process can be long uh, the information flow can be continuous, and I've often seen that if you're not hiring someone from the outside to come in and manage that process, you're spending a lot of time uh, getting information to the potential buyer or their their consultants. And I've seen it where you know a company will go in at a million dollar a clip monthly sales, and by the time you come out, they're doing four and five hundred thousand dollars a month in monthly sales. And big question is why. And when you look back on it, and it's usually looking back, uh, you're looking at the owner saying, well, 
why don't you have the customers you had? And he sure. says, well, I've spent all my time on due diligence and right. tackling these these to-do lists. And not only the owner, but obviously the the accounting and finance uh, departments as well. If, you know, we're, I deal with a lot of small business. Mm-hmm. And usually the owner plays a big part in sure. the accounting and finance, whether he wants to or not, or she. And um, they might have a controller, they might have a bookkeeper, and uh, it falls back on the owners quite a bit. Yeah, so they get consumed and then the business gets gets ignored and... After all, you're looking at a multiple of EBITDA, and if that EBITDA slips, then your, yep. your return slips. So. And a business owner may have been spending a ton of time growing their business the few months up to, sure. you know, trying to grow that top line, and then they lose focus. Yeah, not not a good situation. So, so Andy, how do you how do you approach potential uh, business owners in in terms of their their readiness and just their willingness to say invest in the process not knowing where the process may take them mm-hmm. well we start with you know what are your objectives in a transaction okay. you know and what what are you trying to accomplish what are you trying to accomplish over a period of time and then we can take a step back and help them evaluate where they where they're at versus where they want to go and what a, what an appropriate timeline would be to achieve those objectives so that objective could be, as you indicated, sell to management, sell at the highest price, uh, sell to you know a private equity group. There's all sorts of different objectives, um, but we also want to understand you know what what do they need from a financial resource perspective, okay. and, and have they done the financial planning, the tax planning, to actually be able to achieve that outcome. Um, we have a saying: Can a, can the owner afford to sell their company? In other <laughs> words, can they can they capitalize the the earnings to achieve their their uh, their objectives to live maybe thirty years after they've sold their company? Okay. And so we're we're big proponents of of a number of steps. One is valuation. Uh, the second is is financial planning with someone that can help them evaluate all their flows of of cash to live for those thirty years or so. Um, you know, as as well as um, you know, just timing. Sure. So that's that. You bring up a great point because you got to think about more than simply, I want to sell my business and I, I, you know, I want a liquidity event or whatever the case might be. It's you almost have to back into what works by by figuring out ultimately what what their personal objectives are. It, absolutely, and that starts with you know lifestyle mm-hmm. and have they run the company to. You know, for a lifestyle, or have they uh, run it to build long-term value, and can can they capitalize that value in a sale transaction? Do they have any assets outside of the company, or is most of their net worth the the, the value of their company? Yeah, that's a, an important uh, uh, evaluation. Sure. And then, if they sell the company for X dollars, what what are the after-tax proceeds? Right. You know, it's the old saying: "It's not what you make; it's what you keep." Sure. <laughs> so you take all that together, and it you know, and then plus you know. Maybe they're very philanthropic. Maybe they have a special needs child. Maybe their kids are still in high school. You know, you have to kind of bake all this together in the financial plan together with the value of their company. Right. Or, you know, and I've seen others go about it this way. They're just, they're tired of that business and they want they want out of that business and would like to go maybe start something else. So, you know, again, whatever your objectives might be, right? Sure. And that, well, roll that into a new venture. Yeah, absolutely. So, Paul, from from your perspective, what what do you see um, in the market right now? Is it a lot of uh, folks that say made it through the recession and now we've had a, a good run for ten years and they they want some type of transition or are they typically family business type situations? What 
What are you seeing most uh, frequently in the market? Yeah, I work a lot with clients between the two and forty million dollar range. Mm-hmm. So I've, I'm seeing quite a few of those um, getting approached by different buyers. I've got a couple that are just looking to get out that are uh, at retirement age. I think you're seeing a lot of the with the boomers, the business owners at sure. 65 to 75 years old. There's a lot of them out there and they they haven't planned on what they're going to do with their business. So they're coming to us now saying, what do I do? Right. And these are a lot of the conversations I'm having with Andy. We're talking about one right now who's going through the process. Okay. And um, I think I've got uh, three under LOI and a few others that are are thinking about it. And it's wow. it's various buyers. Uh, none none of them are internal. We're not looking at ESOPs on any of them because I don't think they fit. But um, it, it seems to be ramping up. I I think people may be scared of what's going to happen with our president and some of the other things that are going on right now. And the tax right. rates are probably at all time lows. So I think some people are using that as a, a driver as well. Interesting. Now, now through the due diligence process, when when you begin that, and, and somebody starts to you know poke around, what what comes out of that, Andy, in in your experience? I mean, anything unique that you see in that process? Obviously, you, you talked a little bit about lifestyle. You know, some of those things get factored in. How do, how does the, how does that change the way a business owner thinks? Well, we we try to be proactive in presenting diligence. So it's that old thing. We we don't want to be asked a question we don't know the answer to. So we're very compulsive in in undertaking due diligence prior to even talking to buyer candidates. Okay. That way, that if there are any issues that we co- that come up, we can address them beforehand, or at least be proactive in 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 uh, letting letting buyers know they're out there, uh, because we don't we don't ever want to get that call. Hey, guess what we found? Right, you know, and 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 now how are we going to deal with that? Right. Um, so we 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 are very compulsive about diligence over a, a long period of time to make sure exactly what we're offering to buyers and how those different issues might might affect valuation, how it might affect structure, terms, and things like that. Okay. So if you've got legal issues potentially, or say. Uh, issues with with customers, do you try to address those things up front? Maybe enter into longer term arrangements with customers, or how much do you really reveal to your you know your your team? Well, I mean, we we need to be genuine about what the issues mm-hmm. are. You know, I have a saying: it's never what the issue is; it's how you handle it. And so, if uh, but but if we have that time of preparation, we can get client or customers under long term arrangements. We can shore up things with vendors. Uh, address management uh, uh, issues or, or you know shortfalls in in uh, uh, in structure and things like that. If there's environmental or OSHA issues, we can deal with okay. all those. So there's plenty to look at to make sure that we're offering the best company to the market. Okay. Now, in, in uh, Paul, in your experience, are 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 you trying to assist the customer more in? de-risking their business, or what what role do you see? Um, the the firm taking in that. I mean, is it is it about just sort of providing the right information so that they can make the proper decisions, or where where's that fit? Yeah, I think it depends on if it's a current client or a prospect. Uh, if it's a prospect, we're going to go in and see if they have good numbers, if they've got the books, if they're still using a laser printer, uh, if they're still using ledger paper, some of those things. Um, we're going to take a look at that and try to get things cleaned up and get them on a system and get their numbers representative. Um, if it's a current client, we've probably already done all that. And we're going to be looking at 
big thing right now is state and local tax issues. Mm -hmm. You know, with the Wayfair case that was uh, settled uh, a little over a year ago, um, I've been talking to Joe Pop and Kathy LaMonica from the Salt Group quite a bit about this. It's the biggest hot button in due diligence right now is is what are your risks? And we're going to take a look at that and at least let them know if they should be doing voluntary disclosures, which I know you've talked about on the podcast or some of the other things. Um, We're going to look at the, the contracts and you know, make sure that their banking relationship, what do you, do you have to notify the bank? Uh, right. Are they meeting covenants? You know, sure. are they getting the financial statements prepared that they need to have prepared? Uh, things that you you may not look at right. uh, regularly, but when you're, you know, a buyer's coming in, you definitely want to make sure. I, I always re- refer to that as kind of the basic blocking and tackling. You have to have those processes and procedures, you know, buttoned down. And as you said, identify areas of potential risk that, that you can de-risk for the client so that, when somebody comes in, as as Andy indicated, that they're, there's full transparency and and they know what they're getting, so that that's hugely important. What are what are some of the the major pitfalls you see right now, Andy, in terms of lack of preparation or things that that folks can think about in terms of readiness? Well, I, I think one of the, the the first things we focus on is quality of earnings because okay. ultimately, what earnings are you offering to a buyer, and what's the confidence? Uh, that those earnings will recur in the future, because uh, ultimately you're not you're selling futures. You're not the past is what it is, but the buyer is buying er, future earnings and cash flow. So we want to know what what are we offering a buyer, and then you know what's the outlook for the remainder of the current year, maybe two or three years into the future. Um, you know, one of the things that that most small companies do not do is budget or prepare projections. Right. So we need to work with them to prepare those types of of, of documents. And one thing we know for sure is that that the more you do it, the better you are at it. Yeah. So the sooner we can get them to think about doing those kinds of things, the the better they'll be going forward. Okay. Um, you know, because part of the valuation is a projection, but if the projection was prepared for the process, how, how good is that projection? Right. And and we always like to ask the question: Is this something you do in the ordinary course of running your business? It's a management tool, or are you doing it just for this process? Yeah. Now, Paul, as you know, we we you know help with that process and come up with uh, an adjusted EBITDA number. And there's there's often a lot of let's say noise in in that number, particularly with small businesses, right? Because the personal life is commingled into the business. Do you, do you have a lot of those conversations with folks about separating out, you know, what what's be, been a lifestyle business and and making the the cash flow a, a sort of a clean number for presentation? Absolutely. Yeah. If you've you know, some of these clients have been in business for 30 and 40 years. And as you mentioned, I try to unbundle my owners from the business and keep things on the outside, but that often doesn't happen. Uh, there's, you, you look at, I, I take the owners right through the, the profit and loss statement and go right down and say, okay, if you're a buyer coming in, what's not going to be an expense going forward? Right. And it's pretty interesting conversation you have. <laughs> Sometimes they want me to leave the room during that conversation, but you're, you're, you're looking at, you know, autos, you're looking at life insurance, you're looking at country clubs, sure. you're looking at the, you know, meals and entertainment line pretty close. <laughs> right. And it's funny, the owners are always saying, oh, yeah, they're going to spend a lot less on on everything right. going forward. Um, so they want that EBITDA number to grow, but normalized EBITDA is a big part of the of what we do. Right. And um, there's certainly a lot of value in a company that may be going out uh, yeah. for things that aren't necessarily related to the company. Yeah, for sure. Andy, one of the, one of the things that I've found fascinating is, is in helping clients through this process and seeing other transactions out there is I hear a lot about this term 
security and significance. So, in other words, somebody's looking for security from a financial perspective, but what they often forget is what's going to be my my personal significance going forward. Is that something you try to address with them? Is is you know what's your role going right. forward? That type of thing. Well, we absolutely talk about well, what do you want to do? You know, have you gone into that dark room and thought about do you want to be involved for for how long do you want to be involved? Um, do you care if the company is consolidated into something larger and you lose, you know, the legacy that mm-hmm. might be three or four or more generations? And and those are very important questions for for a number of reasons. But but the the main thing is it it impacts the buyer list that w- that we develop, right? Because if if they're gonna if we're gonna approach only strategic buyers that may run the company only as a division or they may consolidate it into into another location, that legacy is gone, right? And, and, you know, younger owners, you know, in their 50s, uh, owners and sellers that are in their 50s and 60s, what, have they decided what they're going to do? Sure. You know, and we, we don't want to get to the 11th hour and have the owner say, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do after I sell the company. <laughs> I've got this pile of money. <laughs> right. But my wife told me I can't stay, stay at home. Yeah. So I've got I've to, you know, and, and, and they don't want me. Right. So uh, um, we've got to get to those issues, you know, really early in the process. And, and it really comes... To the, one of the first questions, why are you selling and, and what are you going to do? That's a great point. Yeah. So look at their true underlying motivation and what their what their goal is, yep. you know, beyond just the financial part of yep. it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's a great point. So if if I if I look forward, are you still seeing very strong? You mentioned the the activity right now seems to be hot and heavy. Do you foresee that over the next 24 months or so that that transition activity still is going to be very, very strong? You know, there's a couple of things that really impact the the environment. One is the economy, of mm-hmm. course, and the other is how much are banks lending. Mm-hmm. If the banks are pulling in the reins, that's pulling back valuations, and then that puts some more sellers on the sidelines. Uh, but right now, there's an incredible supply-demand imbalance in terms of a lot more buyers and a lot more capital than there are sellers. Mm-hmm. So it's still a seller's market as far as we can see. My crystal ball is not real good, but, you know, it feels like at least the next 12 months should continue to be a, a, a seller's market. Uh, but if you haven't made that decision by now, you may miss the window to, right. to get in there. Yeah, because it takes time to go through this process. You don't want to rush it, right? It, 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 exactly. You yeah. know, and, 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 you know, just a regular process where, where uh, um, you know, doing diligence, preparing marketing materials, identifying buyers, going through that whole whole process could take nine or twelve months. Sure, and that and that assumes that that the preparation's been done. Mm-hmm. Now, Paul, I know we obviously try to remain agnostic in terms of what type of transaction a, a client or potential client might might enter into, but can you maybe give us a, a few highlights as to some some advantages or disadvantages going one way or the other that that maybe you've run into in the last. Uh, couple of years? Yeah, I've, I've had a couple clients go ESOP route. I had a client years and years ago that went to an ESOP that actually had to go out of business, um, which was very tough to see on, on mm-hmm. all the uh, employees that were, were members in the ESOP. But I've seen ESOPs work well too. Um, but going into those, uh, you got to know there's, there's a significant cost. Sure. There's a time uh, issue there. There's going to be a lot of compliance going forward, uh, but they can, you know, in the right circumstance, they can be great. If you're selling to internal management, I think Andy mentioned it before, they're going to know where the skeletons are right. in the closet, which can be good or bad. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, obviously, 
Uh, if you're selling to private equity, you got to look at the tax ramifications. Mm-hmm. With any of the deals, you look at the tax ramifications. But partic- particularly private equity, is it a stock deal or is it an asset deal? And mm-hmm. um, you know the cash flow that we mentioned before. You know what is that actual ta- after-tax cash flow coming out of it? But I think you know meeting early, discussing, talking about what your goals are sure. uh, means a lot to the process of which route you're going to take. Okay, I've got one right now that's probably going to only be able to go strategic. Um, mm. ESOP's not going to work. Too many employees are coming and going, uh, which is bad for an ESOP cash flow. Um, they they can't really sell to private equity because, in this instance, owners went out. They mm. don't want to take part in the business anymore. They, they so want they want to hand over the keys and walk away. Right, yeah. which is. Can be you know difficult sure. to, to find that perfect buyer. It's it's got to be a strategic. Yeah. So it just depends, and it's like Andy said, it's an early conversation with people that have been through this before. Yeah. Uh, most of the time, the buyer or the the owner is talking to somebody at a country club that said, right. "I got X dollars." I would tell them first to divide X by Inflated, two. Inflated, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> That's obviously. probably the the pie in the sky number they thought they were going to get. Yeah. Um, but in after tax, you could take you know that number by sixty or seventy percent, and then cut it in half. Yeah. That's probably your actual sale price for sure. Now, Andy, what about the employees of the company? How how deep do you go in terms of involvement in the process? Is it maybe just another key individual or two, uh, or does it depend on the type of transaction being pursued? Because obviously, you want to make sure that that culture stays in place post post close, right? I mean, that's part of the value. Yeah, it, we always discuss that with their with their clients. Who knows yet? Uh, how deep do you want to go? And usually, it, you know, down, you know, maybe a, a CFO or a controller, maybe an operations person, a, a sales uh, manager. Uh, but you don't want to get too far down. You know, employees are going to say, "How does this affect me?" Right. And and at the beginning point of a transaction, it's too speculative. Anything right. could happen. It could take a year. It could take two years. And you, the last thing you want to do is spook your employees. Sure. So we we try to keep that as very confident as confidential as possible, you know, and just keep it among a select number of of, of key employees. Make sure those employees keep it confidential as well. Yeah. So if if I'm a business owner, ultimately, what should where, where should I start? What what's step one? Is it to to uh, approach an advisor like yourself to say, you know, I'm thinking about this. Help me, help guide me through the process. I, I think that's a good step one. Then with with objectives, what's the time horizon? Uh, what are the valuation requirements? And just talk through that type of buyers that you would like to sell to. Have you been approached by buyers? It, it becomes kind of a, an iterative process and a, and, a, and a, you know, multiple meeting type of process to make sure that they really think through all the things they, they need to think through. You know, it's the old thing that, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And so we can, we can kind of pick a lot of issues and, 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 and topics that then the owners can think a lot about and then keep revisiting it. But the sooner that the owners start thinking about it, even if, even if they're not thinking about selling for five years, Right. It's, it's not too early, that preparation. And also, uh, uh, you know, again, I keep coming back to the financial planning, but it's so key to understand, you, you know, what are you going to need and where are you now, which right. you know by valuation. And then if you've got that three or five year horizon, you can create a, a business plan to achieve that outcome. Right. And so that that's why, you know, it's one of those things you can't start soon enough. Right. I mean, we, we had a client, he, he said, I wake up every morning thinking, how do, what do I need to do today to get to where I need to be? Mm. And so he, and he was three, five years out from, from doing something. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to look at it. So, Paul, in your experience, as you help 
quarterback clients through through this process? I mean, how how do you work that? Do you bring in obviously other advisors like like Andy and and their existing legal counsel, et cetera, to help? guide them through that process? Yeah, that's one of the first questions I'll ask is, who's your attorney and do you want to work with, you know, th- that attorney on this process of the sales uh, process? Mm-hmm. And I will bring in folks like Andy. Um, I urge my clients to utilize uh, an outside advisor to, to sell their business because I think there's real value. Sure, I've done that uh, in my predecessor firm and now here at Ray, I've done that a few times and, and uh, every time I brought somebody in yeah. uh, to try and assist and I think it's key. Yeah, that's great. I think you really have to look at it, as you said, kind of that, that holistic view and not just from a financial or uh, perspective such as that. You know, think about all of it. So speaking of quarterbacks, I know you're a Browns fan. I am. What, what's the outlook here? I have it's been no up idea. And down. Yeah, Andy and I were talking about it on the way down, and uh, up and down is probably the best way to put it. But it's still frustrating, but it's exciting, frustrating. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully on an upward trend, as they say. It seems like we're on a roller coaster, right? Now. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> well, anyway, thank you both for uh, for being here today. Really appreciate it. If you want more business tips and insight or to hear previous episodes of Unsuitable, visit our podcast page at www.raycpa.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening to this week's show. You can subscribe to Unsuitable on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. And while you're there, leave us a review. I'm Doug Hauser. Join us next week for another Unsuitable interview from an industry professional. The views expressed on Unsuitable on Ray Radio are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Ray and Associates. The podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to replace the professional advice you would receive elsewhere. Consult with a trusted advisor about your unique situation so they can expertly guide you to the best solution for your specific circumstance. 